We've been studying in Matthew's Gospel for several months now, and we're in the 10th chapter. And last week, Jesus sent his disciples into the world with these words. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. You shall even be brought before governors and kings. You will be hated by all on account of my name. Whenever they persecute you in this city, flee to the next. Now, if you were one of the twelve who had just been appointed apostles, what would be going through your mind at that point? (laughs) Would you be saying, excuse me? (laughs) You know, that's not what I signed up for. That might be their first reaction. Hopefully, if we were in that situation, we might feel that way, but then our, our love for Christ and our commitment to the gospel would kick in and we'd say, okay, I'll, I'll do it, but would be scared spitless. I've got a feeling that's what was going through the minds of the apostles. And Jesus knew it, and so he continued in the next ten verses saying, do not fear. Three times. He was challenging his disciples to be fearless. Making it clear that a disciple has no need to fear ridicule. No need to fear death. And no need to fear judgment. Let's see if we too can't become fearless disciples. And the first thing we know is the disciple has no need to fear ridicule. Verses 24 through 27. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. If they've called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. Therefore, do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought a disciple had no need to fear ridicule, but isn't Jesus here practically guaranteeing the disciples are going to be ridiculed? It looks that way. See if we can't make some sense out of what's being said here. Well, Jesus begins by saying a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master, and that makes sense. A disciple is a learner, a follower. Obviously, he won't be above his teacher. If he was, he'd no longer be the disciple. He would be the teacher. And a slave is obviously not above the master. Again, if he was, uh, he would be the master, and the master would be the slave. That makes sense. And we do acknowledge that Jesus is our teacher and our master. We've committed ourselves to following him and serving him. But Jesus then says, 
It's enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. I, I think that makes sense. I think Jesus is saying, in effect, that we can become so like him that we can stop thinking of ourselves merely as disciples and slaves. We can actually become one with him. Now, again, we must never think of ourselves as being over him. We never become the teacher or the master, but we can become one with the teacher and the master. Now, I kind of like that. That elevates us up to his level. It brings us into his family circle. It allows us actually to become members of his household. And obviously, to be considered family and to be trusted like family is a real privilege. So Jesus is saying we can become one with him. He invites us to become part of his household. That's good news. However, it also means that if someone hates the head of the household, they will also hate us. And if they ridicule him, they'll ridicule us. Jesus said they called him Beelzebul or Beelzebub, God of the flies or God of dung. If they call him that, what do you think they'll call us? Blowflies or cow dung? Now, why would they say that? Because they don't like what we say. They don't believe us. They, they think we're crazy. You know, kingdom principles are so contrary to man's way of thinking. We will be ridiculed if we become one with our teacher and our master. But then Jesus tells us not to be afraid of ridicule. And he gives us a good reason. He says, because someday everyone will discover that we were right. If we become one with him and say what he says, we will be vindicated. He says what's covered will be revealed. What's hidden from unbelieving eyes now will one day be known to all. So don't be afraid to speak in the light what Christ tells you in Darkness in private. What he whispers in your ear, shout from the rooftops. A fearless disciple has no need to fear ridicule, not because it won't come, it will. But it won't last. Someday, those who ridicule you for your faith and your faithfulness will discover that you are right and they are wrong. And in the end, you'll not be the one who looks like the fool. Our kids need to hear that. Many times we're given the impression from those in positions of authority in the educational realms that, that it's foolish to believe what they believe. And they're afraid to speak the truth because they're afraid they'll look foolish. Jesus said, if, 
if I'm whispering something in your ear, if I've revealed to you what's true, don't be afraid to share it. Don't be afraid to believe it. Someday those who are ridiculing you will find out what you've been saying is true. As long as what you're saying is found in God's Word, of course. Okay? This is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. A fearless disciple, one who boldly declares the truth, has no need to fear ridicule. Because it won't last. Not forever. In fact, he has no need to fear anything that anyone can do to him because a fearless disciple has no need to fear death. Verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Now, if the worst thing anyone can do to us is kill us, what's there to worry about? Well, maybe one thing. We might worry about the process of dying. And as we noted a couple of weeks ago, according to historical tradition, all the apostles, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death. For them, I'm sure, being crucified upside down, being impaled on a stake, or being skinned alive was worse than death itself. That's because death ended their pain and ushered them into the presence of Jesus. And knowing that it would, took away their fear of death. And it enabled them to endure to the end. Now, obviously, if death would have brought them into eternal torment and pain, they would have feared it and fought it to the very end. And quite frankly, those who are outside of Christ and think they can embrace death as a friend are going to be sorely disappointed. Sadly, they're going to discover that death is much worse than anything experienced in this life. But thankfully, we who are in Christ have a different future. And since we know what comes after death for believers, death is not something we fear. The apostles willingly faced death because they knew their souls, their spirits, would live forever in the presence of the Heavenly Father and in the company of the saints. In fact, they knew they would even be given a resurrected body. No one could frighten them into silence with the threat of death. In fact, the death penalty for a believer is not a deterrent from faithful service It's a motivator. And even the possibility of a sadistic, extended period of torture and pain before death is no deterrent when compared with the eternal consequences of unfaithfulness. 
The only one we are to fear is him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, who's that? That's God. The only one we're to fear is God himself. And we are to fear him. In fact, the psalmist told us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It puts us on the right path. It's where we start in our relationship with Him. We have to fear Him. We have to understand who He is and come to respect Him, even fear Him. But the more we come to know Him and experience His forgiving grace, the less we fear Him. And our motivation for serving Him moves from fear to an ever-deepening love for Him. In fact, the apostle of love told us, perfect love casts out fear. Our love for God can reach the place where fear is no longer needed as a motivating force in our relationship with Him. But that does not mean we can forget He's the one who has the power to condemn us. And when we are tempted to walk away from our responsibilities as disciples, because we're afraid of what someone might do to us, we must remember what God will do to those who walk away from Him and who turn their back on His sacrificial love for them. So in reality, we never do lose our fear of God. But as one commentator said, the fear of God is the fear that cancels out fear. I kind of like that. It enables us to live without fear. The only one we fear is the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. But thankfully, a fearless disciple has no need to fear judgment. 29 through 33. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Our fear of him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell is assuaged by the fact that he's not some remote, unfeeling, uncaring judge, but rather a loving God who's deeply involved with his creation. He cares about us. He even cares about the sparrows. Two sparrows were sold for a penny, we're told. Actually, it was less than a penny. We read Luke's account. Jesus says five sparrows were sold for two pennies. That's buy four and get one free. They were basically of no value whatsoever. 
from man's perspective, you know, birds can be a real pain sometimes. Now, I'm not going to go to my woodpecker pecking holes in my house. He's not worth much to me. But he's worth something to God. Sparrows are worth something. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground apart from the Father. He doesn't just know about it. He's involved in the whole process of life and death. And he's in control. And when it comes to us, he even has the hairs of our head numbered. So he can keep track of them. Now, that's an interesting phrase. You know, we always laugh about, well, you know, he doesn't have to worry too much about Burl, you know. Not much numbering going on there. But numbering, he's got our hairs numbered. That doesn't, that doesn't mean he, he, he just, just that he knows how many you've got. He's actually numbered the hairs. This is hair number one. Hair number two. And down. He, he knows when hair number 37,463 drops out. In fact, he's the one who allowed it to happen. Even if it was a grandson that pulled it out. God's involved in our life. He's intimately involved in our lives. He cares about us. More than he cares about the sparrows. And he cares about them. So there's no need to fear an arbitrary, merciless judgment. We're not facing a mean God. God loves us. He knows us. He cares about us. He's intimately involved in the details of our life. Now, he may not always answer the prayer to get your car running when you want it to run. But he wasn't offended by that prayer, Scott. (laughs) Your dad needed to hear you pray that for him. (laughs) And your heavenly father smiled. (laughs) And the car didn't work. God's involved in the details of our life. Don't fear. Don't fear judgment. Don't fear judgment. In fact, he's made it possible for us to come before him without fear, accompanied by his son. He says if we will confess Jesus before men... If we will acknowledge Him as our Lord and Savior by our words and by our way of life, then Jesus will confess us for His Father who's in heaven. He'll stand with us before the throne of judgment and say, It's okay, Dad. He's one of mine. But if we deny Him, if we turn our back on Him, if we walk away from our commitment to discipleship, He will deny us. Jesus will deny us before the Father in heaven. And He will say, depart from me. I never knew you. So a fearful, timid, silent disciple does have reason to fear. A faithful disciple has 
no need to fear. He has no need to fear ridicule. No need to fear death. No need to fear judgment. Not because he won't face ridicule and death and judgment. He will. But the ridicule will be proven groundless when the truth becomes known. Death will usher him into the presence of a loving Heavenly Father and judgment will be a time of celebration when Jesus claims him as his own. Surely, we can surrender our fears and become fearless disciples in the face of such wonderful promises. Let's surrender. Let's be.